listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to Exodus 20, and if you need a Bible, um, our uh, ushers have Bibles. They also have connection cards for you in case you have, uh, need a connection card and able to take some notes and, uh, and to follow along. And as, as Pam mentioned, those journals will be available shortly and maybe you'll want to start using that to take your sermon notes week after week. But turn to Exodus 20. We are going to be looking at that in just a moment here. Uh, today we are coming to the fifth commandment. We're halfway through the halfway point of the Ten Commandments. And week by week, we've been going through these truths and taking and bringing it into everyday life for us. And we see how God's Word is so applicable into our lives and into our society today. And today, we're going to see it once again. And one of the things that, that we see, the first four commandments are all about loving God. It's about our vertical relationship with God. And how when we get that right, it enables us to work on the horizontal relationships. And so today we're starting the first of the horizontal relationships. And where does God start? He starts in the home. And he talks about the importance of this happening in the home. C.S. Lewis, he wrote these words, came across this quote this week. It says, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. But if I love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving towards the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. Love God first. It's about loving Him first. And and as we grow in our love for God and our knowledge of Him and our faith in Him, it has an effect on our horizontal relationships with with other people. And where does God tell us? Where does this begin? It starts in the home. And so Exodus 20, verse 12, here's our verse for the day. Here's our command. Commandment number five, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And the first thing I encourage you to write this down, I'm going to give you some points here, things to write down. You may want to write down some things that aren't up on the screen. Be writing these down. Write down some of these references. Take them home. Study them yourselves. Dig deeper into this. First of all, we honor our parents because God told us to. Clear and simple, God told us to do it. Here it is. Honor your father and your mother. Now, that word honor means respect. It means love. It means submission. This This was written in the Hebrew language. The way that it was written here in in Exodus 20 implies also a certain amount of heaviness and weightiness to it. It's like, this is serious. God is saying, take this serious. It's important for you to understand and to do this. And God entrusts into parents an awesome responsibility. I remember bringing Clarice home from the hospital when she was born. Charlotte and I brought her home, and thankfully for about the first week or so, her parents were there and just helping us. And I remember when the parents packed up and went from from the Edmonton area back to Saskatoon, and we looked at this little thing that that we brought home, and we were like, ah! You know, what do we do with it? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there was, it was wonderful having mom there, you know, and, and helping in the process, but all of a sudden it was, it was overwhelming, exciting, but also that little bit of, ah, what do we do now? Parenting, having children is an awesome responsibility. And you see, parents 
Parents, part of the reason why it's so awesome, and, and not like good awesome, but overwhelming awesome in a sense, is because as parents, we represent God to our children. Our earthly understanding and concept of God, who He is and what He is like, is forged within the home. And when a home is not right, our understanding and our concept of God can be greatly affected in a negative way. And it's in the home, it's where we first experience love, provision, protection. We held up little Finley here last Sunday. What is he about, you know, like 15, 16 days old? Now he is. Last week he was one week younger than that. And it's so exciting to see this. No one on the face of this earth loves little Finley more. No other human loves this little baby more than his parents, than Jordan and Kelsey. I mean, I saw ladies Googling and holding him, and I tried to get in there last week, and fat chance of that, it was, they were hogging little Finley, you know, and, and that's a good thing. And they all, oh, I love him, he's so cute. And you do, but not to the extent that Kelsey and Jordan do. No, because this is the awesome responsibility, and the first sense of love and care and protection that he will experience here on this earth will come from his parents. And so parents are to have their children's best interest at heart, to nourish, to love, to protect, to teach, and to train. One of the things parents do, you're training all the way through, right? You know, you're, you're teaching, you're training them that, that the, the street isn't a playground. It's not a good place to play. You're teaching, training them that, that putting keys in a power socket is not a good thing. That can be very, very bad. You're toilet training them. You're, you're dealing with cuts and bruises and scrapes. And, 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 and Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Parents are to train up their children. And it never stops. From toilet training to teaching them, helping them with homework at school to helping them to educate them and understand which sports teams to cheer for. You know, you've got to indoctrinate them early on those kind of things, you know. Um, even now, our daughter, we're teaching and training her in the area of how to drive as she has her L and is looking forward soon to, to going for her N. I mean, she's pretty excited about that, but there's a lot of teaching and training. And I feel so relaxed when Clarice drives. And I feel so relaxed when, when she's scooting around town. And she's, she's a good driver. She's doing a good job. But I also know where that emergency brake is. It's right there in between us. And even though, like at any time, I am so ready for that. Haven't had to use it yet. Hopefully I won't. But you're always teaching and training. Listen up. You've got to listen to this. God invests in parents an awesome responsibility. And God's word tells us that we are to honor our parents. So they've been given a great responsibility. Our responsibility, though, as children, is to honor our parents. And you see, parents... We are God's representatives to our children. We have a tremendous amount of power, authority, and responsibility in those that God has entrusted to us. But let's face it, folks. There is no such thing as a perfect home. Every home has certain levels of dysfunction. I'll say it again, just so you hear it loud and clear. Every home has certain levels of of dysfunction. And a little later on, we will talk about some of the tough and the sad situations that sometimes happen within a home, within a church-going home, within a Christian home even. 
But let's look at this verse. What does God say? What does God's word tell us? What is the first directive here? Honor your father and your mother. Notice it doesn't say your father or your mother. You kind of get to choose. There's no asterisks here, no footnote at the bottom that just say only honor them when they're awesome and when they do things that you like and, and, and you know what, when, when they give you everything you want, then you honor them. No, it says you are to honor them. There, there's no strings attached to it. Even when they mess up, even when they disappoint us. It's about honoring our parents. And it's honoring, at times you say, but how can I look at what, look, look at the mess they've made of their lives and the lives of others. We are to honor the institution they represent. God has placed this authority in our lives and we are to honor that authority. Our parents were the first to represent authority in our lives to us and we honor them. God has put other authority in our lives. He's put people in charge of nations and we are to honor them. God is very much aware of Prime Minister Trudeau. It wasn't like, well, how did he get in? Wasn't his dad like a Prime Minister years ago? And now he, no, he's very much aware of who our Prime Minister is. And we are to honor him as a Prime Minister. We may not agree, we may not like, but there is still the honor that we are to have for someone who God has placed in our authority. Even when they make difficult and, and choices where you think this isn't going to go well down the road, and we've got to be careful. It doesn't mean you, as I said, agree with everything, but we are to honor. And one of the ways we honor is we pray for them. In all of our complaining that we often do, how many times do we actually pray for those in authority over us? We need to be doing that. That's one of the ways we honor. In 2 Peter 2.17, it says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood. Within, love other believers. But then he also says, honor the king. We are to pay honor to the king, to those who God has placed in authority over us. God in, it, within our church has placed elders, pastors in authority in the local church, in areas of leadership and authority. And how thank, thankful I am. I mean, good timing to have, have John McMullen here, one of our elders, pastors from our sending church in Oakville. And, and every, most Tuesdays, three out of four weeks or so would probably average out to, I get to Skype into the elder meeting and even have a picture. I took a picture of one of the last meetings. I get to really look down on these guys. They have the camera up high. And so I get to look at their heads and got to get to count, you know, how many hairs are, as you can see, how, how much lack of hair some of them have. And, and, and then it, I think it's a 60-inch screen that they get to see my big face, you know, staring at them kind of thing. But what a joy it is to be able to sit there around a table with these men who love and honor first and foremost the Word of God. And the Word of God is the authority. The Word of God is what guides them and it is about leading, not authoritatively like this, it's in humility. And I get to see that as they deal with churches like ours and they deal with people situations and difficult situations to see how they lead with authority with God's word at the forefront. What a privilege it is. And, and God's word tells us that we are to honor those in spiritual leadership around us. They are, they are caring for us and will one day give an account. Listen, what Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. This is talking about spiritual leadership. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. We are to honor our parents. 
We are to honor the authority that our parents represent and even within the church. And we have to be very careful, however, when it comes to even honoring leadership within the church. Just because a certain book gets written or a guy preaches a certain sermon or there's this going on in a certain church, you have to make sure we're living in days of great deception even within the church. And sometimes I think that we think that just because it happens in a church because a pastor has said something, that it's true, that it's right. There is a lot of deception a lot of people are, 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 are believing a false gospel, a prosperity gospel, a healing gospel, different things that, that is going on that is just not, that, that does not line up with the Word of God when you look at the Word of God as a whole. You just can't pick and choose certain verses, and so everything needs to line up. That's why I tell you, take notes. So you can study what we're talking about. That's why Pastor John gets to listen to my sermons. I don't know how often he does, maybe when he can't sleep and has some insomnia at times, you know, or, or maybe now that he's seen these nice, you know, reclining chairs when he goes home and hits his little recliner. Oh, I should do some Harvest Kelowna work here, you know, and, 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 and put up a recliner in his house and, 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 and listen to some Harvest Kelowna sermons. This is where we... We come under the authority of God's word and under the authority that God has placed in our lives. And, it's, and that authority within the home, within the church, even those who serve in government, to serve in humility, to serve as servants, not lording it over people. That is the kind of leadership we saw in Jesus Christ when he was here on this earth. And you see, when we honor our parents, we're honoring the authority backing that authority. We're honoring God. Second of all, we honor our parents because Jesus set the example. You know how kids oftentimes think that they know better than their parents? You know, like, oh, parents don't know anything. They're so, like, so out of it. You know, they're, they're so living back in the 80s or, you know, or, or whatever it might be, you know, and, 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 and so oftentimes we think our parents don't, don't really get it, and, and so we get frustrated with it. Well, I wonder for Jesus how many times he actually did know better than his parents. Could you imagine raising a perfect child? I mean, that's what Mary and Joseph, two imperfect people, you know, first time around, first time around parents admit all, we make a lot of mistakes with our kids. So here you have two young, imperfect Mary and Joseph, you know, this couple here raising the perfect son of God in their home. I mean, how difficult would that be? And yet we see that Jesus honored them. We see in Luke chapter 2, and Jesus set this example. We see it. Jesus and his family were traveling from Nazareth to, to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and it was a big celebration. There was family. There was all of this. And so the Passover celebrations were over. They're walking away from, from Jerusalem. And Joseph and Mary didn't know where Jesus was. But think, oh, he's probably pray, playing with his cousins. And, and, you know, he's off somewhere. This, this mass group of people are heading back towards Nazareth. They didn't think anything about it. They come to the end of the first thing. He's like, oh, where's Jesus? Can't find him. Do you know where Jesus is? Do you know where Jesus is? And, 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 and so the search begins, and, and we read this in verse 46. It says, of, of Luke chapter 22, it says, Joseph and Mary thought he was traveling, or no, uh, I'll, I'll jump to verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. It took him three days, and they finally found him. And here he is with these religious leaders in the temple asking them questions. Have you ever had your kid disappear on you? I mean, just even for a few moments, that, that panic, 
that fear that sets in is like, oh no, you know, especially if it's in a mall or if it's, you know, at, at some sort of place where there's great danger that's happening. And, and, and I mean, there's, there's great relief and like, oh, when you find out that they're, they're found, even we had a meeting at the church this past week and there was this cute little uh, kid that was there, part of the meeting, he, his mom was meeting and, and, and he took off and, and all of a sudden mom came back and, she, and she's kind of a little out of breath. She said, he was already into the parking lot. He was, he was you know, and, and that panic, that fear that, oh, what are you doing? And we even see that with Mary and Joseph. They were like, oh, there you are, Jesus. Oh, oh, we were so concerned about you. No, you can, you can see here, I mean, what was really going on. Where were you? Don't ever do that again. You know, I mean, it says, son, why have you treated us so? This is verse 48. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. They were a little ticked. They're like, what's going on here? And what was Jesus' response? Did he treat them disrespectfully? And they're just like, oh, Mary and Joseph, you know, mom and dad, you know, like, wouldn't it be obvious I'd be here with my, you know, with these guys learning, like, you know who I am, really, you know? And, and no. Verse 51, and he went down with them and came to them, came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Here you have the perfect, sinless Son of God in submission to his imperfect parents. And what does it say in verse 52? And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He already had the favor of God, but that only grew stronger. And now he's receiving favor with man. He's being submissive. What an example we see in Jesus honoring his parents. If Jesus could honor his sinful, mistake-making, imperfect parents who always didn't get it, so can we. And so we are ought to from this command. Then, of course, we see how Jesus honored his heavenly Father in Luke 22. In verse 42, right before in the garden as he is pouring his heart out to God and he's saying, hey, if there's, if there's some way out of this cross deal, if there's some other way we can save the world, I'm all ears. I'm ready, I, I, I'm listening, you know, and, and what does he say though? He says, not my will, but yours be done. His, he was honoring in submission to his father. If Jesus did it, so can we. Jesus set the example of honoring our parents. Thirdly, we honor our parents in order to live a blessed life. Look at the last part of it here. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land and the, the Lord your God is giving you. Now, you might just think, oh, this is just so Old Testament. This is so under the law. This really isn't applicable to today. But no, even the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 1, I encourage you to write this down. Ephesians 6, 1, and it goes on to verse 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children are to obey, and as older children, we are to honor. And the blessing and the prosperity of a family, of a nation, of a church is tied to this command. Is there a time that we are to disobey our parents and disobey their instruction and commands? Yes, there is a time. When what they are telling us to do, what they are causing us to do, violates God's word. What they are doing, perhaps within the home, in different areas in their own lives, and they are going against what God's word says, 
that's when we are to go against that authority because God's authority outweighs their authority. And notice what it says in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There we see that the Lord has that greater authority. And we're doing it for the Lord's sake, not just for our parents' sake. We're doing it to please the Lord, but we're also doing it under the authority of the name of our God. Reminding us that God is the ultimate authority. And so easy rule of, of, of understanding in this as I see it through Scripture is children, obey. If you're under the roof of your parents, if you're dependent on your parents for rent, for income, for... Um, just whatever it might be that, that comes along for your transportation, children, obey. Your role is to obey your parents. And there were many times that I thought my parents were being very unfair, especially in the chores that I had to do, and the farm work in the summer times that I had to do when other kids are at the beach and they're doing this and they're doing that and I have to work. I mean, I didn't always like it. Am I thankful now for the work ethic my parents established in me? Yes, I definitely am even though oftentimes I thought that no, not being able to sleep in on a Sunday or even sometimes what my dad would do on the farm, he would, he, he would get up early and then he'd come around 7, 8 o'clock and, and, uh, to get me up and it would be this loud, Meldon, wake up! And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to sleep. So I got a little upset. I said, can't you at least wake me up nicely? So then the next day he comes up after putting diesel fuel into the, into the tractor, and he comes up and he just starts patting my face with these stinky diesel hands, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? And he says, well, you didn't want me to yell at you in the morning, and, and so I'm like, okay, just go back to yelling. I don't need to smell diesel fuel before, you know, this early in the morning, you know, and, but so oftentimes we can think our parents are unfair, but we are to obey. And as we grow up, as we leave home, as we become self-sufficient, we honor always. Children obey, and for the rest of us, we honor. And we honor for the rest of our lives, the rest of our parents' lives, and we are to honor the household or, or the office of the parent. In, in Exodus 21, the very next chapter here, after the Lord gives the Ten Commandments, we see that the next chapter, that to dishonor one's parents was punishable by death. It was a serious matter. Why? Because for Israel, for their nation, to have rebellious children and to have this kind of rebellion going on would only affect the nation. And so survival of Israel as a nation was dependent on this command. And it was very serious. You become rebellious, you become disobedient. And this is an ongoing, it's not like first little hint of rebellion um, that, that was laid out that, okay, you're dead. You know, it wasn't like that. There was some grace involved in this. But ongoing, um, stir up trouble kind of rebellion, it was punishable by death. It was a serious matter. And we see that even today, that rebellion is a serious matter. It ruins households. It ruins nations. It continues to lead that way. But this is a command that has a promise the first one that is given, as Paul says, with a promise. And God is saying there is a blessing on a life. You will have God's blessing in a greater way upon your life if you are someone who honors your parents. There's a blessing on a family where there's honor, where there is respect. You will see a nation being blessed when you have people who follow this command. You have churches that are blessed when the people are honoring this command. And let's face it, the traditional family today in North America, around the world, it's disintegrating. It is 
It's never been like this in history, I believe. I mean, maybe it, it has, and we know what, what God did to the city where there was a lot of sin like this, what we're seeing today going on. We're seeing the definition of marriage being totally changed, going to allowing same-sex relationships, gender identity battles, what, what President Obama did this past week in giving the directive that every public school must provide transgender access in bathrooms, if not lose federal funding. That's serious. Like this is, These are unbelievable times that we're living in. That's serious. We're getting closer, I think, in so many ways to Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a serious thing. And, and here's what we see. If you unravel the family, you unravel society. And there's so much truth to this. And there's a way that we can reclaim society. We can reclaim places. We can, and it starts in the home with this honor and this respect. You see, it's ultimately not for our family's sake. Not for our nation's sake. It's for God's glory. This is what God is telling us to do, that we would honor him in this way. And as a result, you see strong relationships, strong family, strong churches, even a thriving community when we see this kind of honor. And I, and I am so thankful to the Lord here at Harvest Kelowna that we are so blessed that we have been given a multi-generational church where we have people in their 80s and then we have some that are just newborns and, and to see us work together in this way and, and we see that honor can happen here within the life of our church and I'm so glad for the way that it is happening but it's something we need to continue to grow in. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 says that we are to treat older men like fathers and, and we are to speak with gentleness, firmness at times, but we are to speak with gentleness and older women like mothers. There is to be a respect and an honor to those that are older. Now, if you are a person who does not honor your mother and your father, it's going to pan out in other areas in, in different authority in our lives. Even when it comes to other authority, if we talk negatively and disrespectfully and we start dumping on our kids about perhaps parents or grandparents or the other spouse, you know, whatever it might be, it ends up affecting their lives. You will raise children who won't honor you. If you're not honoring your parents, don't expect your children down the road to be people who will honor their parents. It continues on. We see the cycle. And so here, I want to give you in closing here a number of practical ways that we can honor our parents. I encourage you to be writing these down. Here are some practical ways we can honor our parents, honor those in authority over us, and even as parents to honor those that are under our care. And the first one is by saying and showing love. Saying the words, I love you. Having this go both ways in a relationship and meaning it from your heart. I get, I get grieved when I hear of my mom would tell, tell about how her dad showed love in many ways to their family, but he wouldn't say the words. And for many years, she would say to him, I love you, dad. And his response would be, you too, me too. She longed to hear those words in return. I love you. To hear that in return. Love is more, though, than just saying words because talk can sometimes be cheap. Take time. Show your love by taking time for them and with them. Calling them. Writing a letter to them. Sending them an email. Specifically taking time to thank them for what they have done. For some of the great memories that they have given you. Maybe you say, I don't have a lot of great memories. 
Think of the ones that you do have and, and thank them and remind them of that. Another thing you can do, this isn't, isn't up there, but seek their counsel. Include them in decisions that you're making. You say, I already know the answer. Don't think you're so smart. You may not know the answer. They may shed some light on things that, that, that you didn't think of. We have never made a, a major purchase in our household that at least I'm aware of, that whether it be vehicles or whether it be um, houses. We, we've, Charlotte and I have owned a number of houses um, over the last number of years, and we've always included our parents in that decision. They're often able and, and, and um, you know, just to, to see through things. Seek their advice. Seek their counsel. Believe it or not, your parents have a lot of wisdom. Older people, people who are older in your life, they have a lot of wisdom. Take an interest in them. Ask questions. That's so important. And, and this is under speak kindly to them. Another one is speak kindly. Speak with respect. Don't talk down to them. When they're talking to you and they're telling you something, it's like, oh, that's Captain Obvious. You know, don't roll your eyes. I'm like, oh, here they go again. Not this story. I've heard it a thousand times. You know, uh, listen to them. Be thankful in your speech towards them. You, but my parents are weird. They're old-fashioned. I mean, they're so stuck in their ways. Don't worry. You're going to become like that too. You know, like it's going to happen. It, it will. I'm, I'm starting to see um, myself become a little bit more like my dad to my kids. And it's kind of funny and comical in some ways. And like, oh, so if I couldn't stand in my dad, my kids are now not being able to stand in me. You know, and, and so, so speak kindly. Take an interest in their lives. Ask them questions. Charlotte's so good at this. She, one of the things that um, just even on a recent visit, her parents came to visit and Charlotte and I flew off to, to Phoenix for uh, the Harvest Pastors and Wives Retreat. And, uh, and Charlotte said, now one thing I want you to do, I don't want you looking at your gadgets the whole time when grandpa and grandma are here. You know, and, and so make sure you take time, you know what, to ask them some questions. I want you to ask them some questions and find out things about grandpa and grandma that you never knew about them. And so that might mean... Turning off your phones. Grandpa's not going to be able to watch the weather network for a little while. You know, put that on hold, you know, and have a conversation. And, and talk. And, and so it was so neat when we came home, Charlotte said, so what did you learn about Grandpa and Grandma? And, and they gave us a number of the things that they learned. They're like, we had no idea that Grandpa just had a grade 9 education. He seems pretty smart, pretty with it for a guy who just had grade 9. That's all he needed. You know, and, and about horses, how he had to take horses to school, how later on he never wanted to have horses on his farm because horses were a way of life for him in his early years. You know, take time, speak kindly for them, take an interest in their lives. Another one, care for them. Again, who do we look to on this for an example? In all of this, we see Jesus doing this, but in John chapter 19, in the midst of saving the world, Okay, think about this. In the midst of saving the world, he's dying on the cross. And instead of just being concerned about himself, he's concerned about his mother. He's near death and he's saying to his best friend, John, he's saying, John, make sure that my mother is taken care of. I mean, what love, what concern does he have? And so sometimes we think, you know, I'm just a little busy. I got a lot on my plate here. I don't really have time to get involved in, in caring for my parents or, or helping out in this kind of thing. Jesus was more than just a little bit busy that day on the cross. There was a lot of things going through his head. And if he was able to take time for his mother and care about her well-being, so we ought to do the same. That's a beautiful way that we can honor our parents. 
I know even for Charlotte and I, one of the concerns that we had even in moving to Kelowna six years ago was that that move was going to take us from being five hours and eight hours away from our parents who were living in Saskatchewan, still are living there, you know, to now about 14 and 16 hours away from them. And it's just like, is this the right thing for us to be doing, you know, because they're aging and how can we be there? And that got put to the test within a few months of us moving here. My dad had a heart attack and surgery to follow, and, and it wasn't long after we were able to even still be visiting him in the hospital. We jumped in the car and like, we want to be committed to the care and to the love of our parents. This is something important that we can do. We are, one of the great ways we can honor our parents is by caring for them. And not just, be, just caring that they're cared for, ensuring that, but actual caring for them. And here's the last one I want to give you, and this one can open up whole can of worms, but it is so important and it is so necessary. We need to forgive them. Because none of us have come from a perfect home. As I said before, we all have certain levels of dysfunction. Even the most awesome, perfect, church-going family home, they're dysfunctional. They have levels of dysfunction, things in, in things, issues that they're facing. And some of us here today have come from some very messed up homes. Homes that have not given honor and glory to God. Homes where there have been deep hurts, abuse, abandonment. And as a result, there are wounds and there are scars. And it's affected our understanding and our concept of God. It's, helped, it's, it's made it difficult for us to forgive our parents, to forgive others. And so much of our understanding, our concept, our theology can be messed up because of this. And this will affect our lives, it will affect our marriages, our parenting, our relationships, and it will continue on. This cycle, in one way or another, will continue. I've heard many times people say, I will never be like that, I will never do that to my kids because of what happened to me. But they may never do some of those things, but they may be in other ways doing things that are hurtful and detrimental. And I just want you to know that for some of you, you need to understand God is not the face of your father. That the image that you have, you say, well, if, if God is the heavenly father and you think of him in light of your earthly father, that, and, and if it is negative and if it is a way that is hurtful, that is not God. God is a loving, perfect, real, sincere, tender, unconditional, loving, completely in self-control, perfect in all things. His love is perfect for us. Not hurtful, not demeaning, not overbearing. He is a good, good father. And in Jesus, we find his son. We see the relationship that they had, and it's in Jesus we find the love and the acceptance that we search for in our first parents. We find that in God through Jesus. And as I said before, it's in the home from, from where our parents first, ex is where we first experience love, but oftentimes it's the place where we've also experienced our first hurt and disappointments. All parents have disappointed their children, have failed their parents, have messed things up, whether they acknowledge it or not. Remember, your, perfect, your parents were imperfect stand-ins for God. We are to pray for our parents. 
We are to pray for them that God would work in their lives always. But you say, what if my parents were bad and hurtful, selfish, abusive? I need to say to you today that if you are in a difficult, troubling, abusive environment in your home or have experienced that in your past, you need to get help. And you need to get out of that situation and you need to, to, to let me know and to let some leaders here within our church know. Speak to me after the service. Speak to, to John who is here today. One of the things I absolutely love and appreciate about Harvest is the deep commitment to not just the Sunday morning service, but to see people be transformed and to see people get help. And that is why Harvest Oakville, our sending church, has, has a deep biblical counseling department that is busy, that is involved in the lives of people, and that's in the development phase here for Harvest Kelowna, just so you know, that's, that's something we, we value deeply. That it's okay to not be okay, but it's not healthy to stay that way. We want to drive you to the gospel. We want to drive you to Jesus, to healing, to wholeness, to find that forgiveness that, that, that is needed in these situations. I also have to say that if you are somebody who is abusive and hurtful in the words and the actions, stop it. Stop it and get help. Stop it and admit it. Be humble, be repentant, because the cycle will just continue on and on and on. It's serious, serious matters, but it's important that we embrace forgiveness. You see, unforgiveness will cause bitterness. Bitterness is like a hand grenade in your hand, and you're wanting to throw it at that person who has hurt you, that has harmed you. But what ends up happening is before you could actually throw it, that hand grenade is stuck to you, and you, it goes off in your hand, and it explodes, and it makes a mess of your life and those around you. And some of you... Bitterness and hurtfulness towards our parents moves into resent, resentment and, and anger, and it gets carried on. Hebrews 12 warns us about not allowing a root of bitterness to gain a foothold in our lives, not dealing with it. It says, it goes on to say, it defiles many. The cycle gets repeated. Listen to this statement, read it this week. Kids will be blessed by their parents' wise choices and bent towards their parents' bad choices. So we need to make wise choices in choosing to get help, in repenting, in making things right for areas where we've crossed the line, where, we've, um, where we haven't parented well, or else on the other side as children, we haven't honored our parents well. Forgiveness means to let go. It means to release, to send away. And Colossians 2.13 says, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so we must forgive. And I say this, Carefully, and I say it lovingly to you folks, we have to forgive. Jesus even said, if you are unable to forgive others, the Heavenly Father won't forgive us. And if you're not a forgiving pe person, if you're like, I'm holding on to this, I'm not going to forgive, you have to closely examine your life because either you have never really truly been saved, you truly don't truly know Christ, or there's some self-righteousness in you um, as a believer that you need to deal with because that will destroy your life. And when you say, I won't forgive someone, that is very, very dangerous. I'm not saying forgiveness just happens like, oh, okay, I choose to forgive and woohoo, you know, pray this prayer and say, okay, I forgive them. No, it's committing to a process. But it starts with admitting that there's hurt. It starts with asking God, to forgive you for the, heart, for the feelings, for the resentment that you've had, or for what you have done in the lives uh, of others around you. Our sins 
put Jesus on the cross. And yet this is a way that we can be free and forgiveness is the path. It's so easy to focus on the sin, but forgiveness is not just simply saying either, oh, it's not a big deal, you know, hey, sorry I did that. No, it's, it's deeper than that. Sin is a big deal. And so some hard conversations may need to happen. Need, need to get perhaps some godly counseling, counsel in your life and afterwards speak to me about it. Send me an email this week and say, hey, I just need to talk. There, there's some things I, I'm processing. There's some things I, people I need to forgive or some people I need to start honoring, but it's hard. Would love to have... Um, you know what, you maneuver through God's word with some, some, some people who can help you in that. It's not an easy thing, but it's making the choice to forgive. It's committing to a process of daily asking God to help you to forgive because sometimes the feeling of forgiveness won't come. It will take a while. And so we continue to press on and then one day the release comes. And I know in a room like this, there's, there's no doubt hurt and scars and in the miles surrounding this facility here today, there are wounds and scars in the lives of people who, who have been hurt in, in various ways, neglected by father or mother, have been treated horribly in a way that does not honor God. Well, we're here to say God is here to pick up the pieces, to bring healing and wholeness. He says, you are mine. I love you. Let me help you in this. He is going to help us, but we've got to give him all the pieces and say, God, it's yours. God, I give you my parents. And we forgive in the way that Jesus forgave. Think of how he was there on the cross, caring for his mother, seeing these, these, these soldiers gambling for his clothes. He sees others there spitting, the, the ones that were spitting upon his face, those that were jeering him. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We offer that forgiveness. I'm asking you, in the Spirit of God, to forgive. Because when we do, we are set free. We are set free to honor, to love, and see a cycle begin of honoring, of love, of healthy families, of healthy relationships. I'm ask you to bow your heads. In a moment, we're going to pray. But I know what we talked about here. I mean, who knew this would be in the Ten Commandments, right? That it would open this up. But this is weighty. This is a big deal. We are to honor our parents, honor our father and our mother. The implications of not doing this are huge. I encourage you to be spending some time just in reflection even now and asking God to help you to see what it would mean for you to honor your parents. You might say, hey, my parents, my parents are gone. My parents have long passed away. You can honor them by your prayers of thanksgiving to God. You can release them. Maybe you need to forgive them and in that way release them. Maybe it's writing out on a paper things that have happened, things where you've been hurt and it's writing it down and then it's taking it to their gravesite or, or just taking it and just ripping it up and saying, okay, God, I'm choosing forgiveness here. Never again am I going to allow these things to, to infiltrate. Not going to replay these old tapes in my mind. And it's trusting God to work in their life, if they're still alive, and in our lives as we pursue forgiveness. So I ask you today, how are you honoring your parents today? Alive or not, we are to honor them in our speech, in our memories, in our words, in our actions, and praying for them. 
How about authority in your life that God has placed? Are you honoring the authority God has placed? Is there someone that you need to ask for forgiveness or because you haven't honored them or you're not honoring them in the way? Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a parent. Are there people you need to forgive and release? Say, okay, God, I, I give them over to you. I'm not going to hold on to this bitterness anymore. I, I choose to forgive. Commit to the process today. And it's going to be a process and love to walk with you in that. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness to your parents directly and ask them to forgive you for ways that you have not honored them in the past. Maybe as parents, you need to go to your children and you need to ask them for forgiveness for the way you have dishonored your parents around them. Maybe you need to get together with them or have a conversation and sort these things out. It's important. 